Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. This morning, this, we're going to look at two parables of Jesus and also a, an account, maybe a prophecy of Jesus about the end times, what's going to happen there. But I want you to see that what He is teaching throughout this chapter is the opposite of eternal life. What's going to happen in each one of the, the parables and then the prophecy, He's telling us, what happens to, with those who are faithful and obedient, but also what happens to those who are not faithful and obedient. So those will be the ones that we are looking at this morning, and what Jesus describes as what the opposite of eternal life looks like while we are living here and now. So we're going to read the whole chapter but we're not going to do it all at one time. We're going to read a portion of it, the first parable, the second parable, and then the prophecy, and then we're going to talk about that for just a few minutes. So as we begin this morning, let's have a word of prayer together, asking for God's grace, His mercy, His Spirit to teach us through His Word this morning. Father God, You are amazing and wonderful in all Your ways. We thank You so much for what You have done for us. We thank You for Your Spirit here and now, in this place, already binding us together in Your Word. We pray for your, your light to shine into our hearts and our minds, our lives. And Father, help us to see. Help us to see You high and lifted up. Help us to recognize our need for salvation if we're not saved. Uh, help us to, to turn to You for that salvation. But those of us that are saved, Father God, I pray that You will help us to rejoice in You and surrender to You more completely today. God, we need You. Thank you for what you do, what you have made available to us. Thank you that we are able to be called children of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. As Jesus is teaching here, preaching here, He is talking to those that have gathered around, and He has already told them many things in chapter 24. But as chapter 25 comes to light, as he begins to say these words, this is what he says in verses 1 through 13. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, 
for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus gives this parable and He's talking about the events gathered around or around a wedding. And He says these young ladies, these maidens were to be His escort into the wedding ceremony. And there were some there who were wise and some who were not. I call the ones who were not the outsiders. The outsiders. Now at the end of this story, they find themselves outside looking in, trying to get in, but can't. But you see, they are there. The Scripture, Jesus says there's five of them who were wise. Why were they wise? Because they made preparations for what could happen. What was going to happen. The bridegroom was delayed. They needed more than just a little bit of oil in their lamps. They needed extra. They needed to make sure that they were ready no matter what happened. So now, the bridegroom comes. The call goes out and says, go out and meet him. They, they had fallen asleep because he had been delayed. So as they wake up, the ones who were foolish realized that they didn't have enough oil. They were lacking. Now, the ones that were ready... They couldn't help them because they had enough for themselves only. So they sent them away and said, you go and find some more oil somewhere else. And then the bridegroom came and the five that were wise, Jesus describes them as wise, they were ready. Now, the thing about these, these young ladies, these maidens, these virgins, was that there was no distinction between the, the bunch until the bridegroom came. You see, they all looked like they were part of the party. They all looked like they were prepared. They were all there together, having a good time, doing whatever it was that they were doing. They didn't look any different than anybody else, the wise from the foolish. You couldn't tell. But when the time came, there was a distinction. Now Jesus also tells a parable about this. Uh, he, the wheat and the uh, tares. You might have uh, read that one before. He says there's this farmer who had a, a field and he went out and he sowed good seed in the field and an enemy showed up and sowed bad seed in the field. Weeds. So when they came up, the weeds looked so much like the, the true thing that they came up together. And after they came up, one of the servants went to the master and said, who, who owned the field, he says, look, he said, there's some weeds among the wheat. There's some tares among the wheat. He said, what should we do? And the master says, let them all grow up together. And in the end, at harvest time, we'll be able to tell the difference. And we'll sort them out then. As a matter of fact, he said it this way. He says, we'll get the tares and we will bundle them up together and we will burn them. We'll cast them into the fire, but we will gather the wheat into the barn." Now the same thing, kind of the same idea is what Jesus is, is talking about here. There's no distinction between these maidens until the end of the parable. Until the bridegroom shows up, everybody looks the same. Now, let me say this. You've heard what Billy Graham said about uh, saved and unsaved in the church. He says it was his opinion, having heard, talked, prayed, preached all over the country, talking to different people. He says the majority of the church, and he gave a percentage, majority of the church he felt like needed salvation. 
Now, folks, I pray it's not like that here today. But odds are that somebody might think that they have eternal life when they have trusted in something that is not true. There's so many people that they have their lamp, they have maybe their mom and daddy's faith, maybe they have their church attendance, their church membership, maybe they have all these things that they have done for the Lord and they think that they're okay with God, but they have never submitted themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when He shows up, He knows His sheep. And they know His voice and they answer to Him. They follow Him. You see, they realize that no matter what happens, I want to be on Jesus' side. So, they submit themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, pride, arrogance, self-sufficiency will tell us you're okay. You're fine. As a matter of fact, the devil will lie to you and tell you you don't have to believe what the preacher says. You don't have to believe what the Bible says. You're good enough to get there on your own. But listen, if you're hearing a voice that says, I don't know if I'm saved, if you're hearing a voice that's saying, you need to be saved, you need to listen to that because Satan will never tell you that you're lost. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you that you need God's salvation. Don't be sitting there with your lamp and thinking, okay, I know, I'm, I, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope all that I do and all the things, the way that I live my life, I hope I'll be okay. You need to know, and you can know, by the way that you submit your life to Almighty God. You see, God's, uh, God's way is Jesus. The only way is Jesus. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus said He's the door of the sheep. The sheep come in and out through Him. Anybody else that, that tries to come in any other way is not of the sheep. If you try to get to heaven on your own merits, on your work, on your church membership, on your tithing or giving, on all these other things, any, any other thing, then it's wrong, it's insufficient, it will not allow you into the kingdom of God. Only Jesus is the door. So he tells us here, these folks are outside. Those that think that they're ready for the bridegroom, but when the bridegroom comes, they're not ready. And then they come to Jesus. They're on the outside. They come to the door and they knock and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. Please let us in. You see, what they've realized at that point is, hey, I did not prepare the way that I needed to. I did not do what I knew that I needed to do in order to be ready for the bridegroom coming. And now, I've got to try to make it up somehow. Please, Lord, let me in. And he says, the door shut. I never knew you. So the warning, he gets there. And he warns after this parable. He tells it so that he can, he can show those that are listening, hey, you need to make sure that you are ready for the coming of the Master, the coming of the one true God, God's Son on His behalf coming to this earth. He was standing before them and they would not receive Him. And He's standing here and saying, this is what you need to do. Watch. 
therefore. For you do not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus was there before them. And He was telling them, look, He told them many times, I'm going to come again. And in that... When that time comes, when the bridegroom comes, you've got to be ready, because if you're not ready, you will not get in. If you're not already a a member of the wedding party, you will not get in. So his warning to us is to be prepared, because he says, watch therefore. Now going back to uh, chapter 24, verse 42, says almost exactly the same thing, just a little bit different wording. He says, watch therefore, for you do not, not know what hour your Lord is coming. But you go back up just a couple of verses, chapter, uh, verse 40. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be working side by side. Wherever it may be, one person will be ready, one person will not. And the Lord's going to make a distinction at that time. The saved will go to be with Him. Uh, Two women cooking a casserole in the kitchen, watching TV or whatever else they're doing, they're cooking, they're talking, they're, they're putting all the ingredients together, one of them's gone and the other's left cooking the casserole. And you see there's a distinction that has been made because one was prepared. And one was not. One was left on the outside while the other was taken into the presence of Almighty God. And the outsiders are knocking on the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. You know, the scripture says, Jesus said, you know, there's going to be a lot of people on that day that will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Wasn't I this? Wasn't I that? Let me in. And he's going to say, just like he said to these five foolish widows, I didn't know you. More specifically, you didn't know me. You didn't trust me. You weren't prepared. You didn't do what you needed to do in order to accomplish what you needed to accomplish. You needed to bow before the Lord to submit to His will and His way for your life, and you didn't do it. So you are left outside. Jesus goes to another parable. And this is the parable of the talents, if you want to look at it that way. Starting in verse 14, we're going to read through verse 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. 
Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, who, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, there, there was three servants in this, this picture that Jesus was giving. And there were two who were involved. There were two who engaged. And then there was one who was just an onlooker. And that's what I call him. He was an onlooker. You see, the other guys, they received and appreciated what they got. They, they said, this is what the Lord has entrusted me with, so I put it to work, and I'm going to gain something for my Lord. So the one who received five, he put that five to work. He received five more, and he had more than what he began with of his master's money, because it wasn't his. He was just entrusted with it. And then the one that received two, he did the same thing because he put what the master had given him to work. And when his master came back, he gave him the two and the two extra. And understanding what the Lord says there, you did what I expected you to do. Good and faithful servant. They were still servants, but they were doing what the Lord had, had commanded them to do. But then there was one who didn't want to take any chances. Because he didn't love his Lord, he was afraid of Him. You see, the others were waiting for the Lord to come back, and they couldn't, they couldn't wait to present what they had done. They were looking forward to their Master coming back, but this guy, he was scared of it. And when his Master came, he says, Look, I, I, you're, you're a scary guy. I know that you're going to judge me. I know that I'm going to have to stand before you and give an account. So I just, wanted to, I just wanted to hold on to what I had and give it back to you because I'm afraid of you. And Jesus called him a wicked and lazy servant. But why? Because he did not engage in the business that his Lord had called him to do. He wasn't doing what his servanthood should have caused him to do. His duty to the master was to prosper the master. To make sure the master's kingdom wasn't hurt or anything of the nature, that it actually grew while he was steward of it. But he neglected his duty. And that's why the master told him, you wicked and lazy servant, you didn't even do the least that you could have done, which was, Give it to somebody else and let some interest draw on it. 
He said, you, you did worse than the least that you could have done. So he, instead of being involved, he wasn't worried, he wasn't concerned for his master's prosperity or his property. He was unengaged. As a matter of fact, he says, let everybody else take their chances. I'm just going to stay right here and do my own thing. And for him, his way of thinking, it was too late. It was too late for him to, when he stood before the master, when the master had come back, it was too late for him to, to put it on uh, into the bank to, to gain any interest. It was too late for him to put it to work at that point. You know, he was caught, he was standing there and he says, look, I'm making excuses now, so anything that I say, you know, hopefully you'll buy this because I know that you're going to be judging me anyway. Here's what you gave me. And the master says, you didn't complete the task that I gave you. You did not submit to me and do what I asked you to do. What was your duty? So punishment was due. He was on the outside looking in, so he's an onlooker. He, the first group was, were outsiders. The second group, you see, he's an onlooker. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to change this a little bit, and I wanted to call it a bench warmer. Uh, there's, a, there's bench warmers. We don't have bench warmers in the church. I'm not saying that, right? What I am saying is there's some people who are in the, the business. That we, are, we, we are bound to the Master, but we're not completing the tasks that He has given us. You see, we're happy sitting on the bench, and we hope the coach don't want to put us in. We're okay sitting by the water cooler, and watching everybody else take all the chances and take the big hits and score the touchdowns, we're okay over here just wearing our uniform, sitting on the bench. And when the game's over, I've risked nothing and I've gained nothing. Jesus didn't save us to sit us on the bench. He didn't give His life for us so that we can not engage in the service that He has called us to. As a matter of fact, if you're not engaging, if you're not uh, out there on the, the field, are you really a part of the team? You see, being, on, being a Christian is a lot like playing Little League uh, Baseball. Everybody gets to play. Nothing against Little League Baseball, but li listen, Jesus says you are to be involved. You're not to be an onlooker watching everybody else do all the stuff. You've got to get your hands dirty. You've got to get in and put in a little sweat equity into God's kingdom. He wants you to deliver for Him. He has given you everything that you need to prosper the kingdom. He has given you the Holy Spirit living inside you. He gives you direction when you listen to Him as to what He wants you to do so that you will prosper the kingdom. And to not do it is sin. To not do it is to hear wicked and lazy servant get out cast him out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
Now, the scripture says that they took the talent from him. The, the master commanded, take his talent. The one that I gave him, take it from him. And give it to somebody else. See, God has entrusted us with the life that we have right now. And he has given us all the tools that we need to accomplish his purpose for what he wants us to do. And when we don't employ ourselves about that business, we're just an onlooker. And you might remember our former president had a television show a long time ago called The Apprentice. And everybody's favorite part of the show was when he said, you're fired. I think that's how he did it. Something like that. You're fired. This is what the, the master said to the, la the lazy servant. You're fired. And he meant it literally. Not only do you not get to work anymore, but where you're going is the lake of fire. Now listen, a lot of people think that death ends everything, that it's gone and over. But no, I'm going to tell you what the truth about death is. It's either eternal life or eternal death. Think about it. Eternally living abundantly with the Lord Jesus Christ or eternally dying at the point of death continuously with torture, torment, and pain that never quits, never goes away. Imagine standing before Jesus and Him looking at you across the boardroom table and says, you're fired. I gave you an opportunity. I gave you a chance. You decided to be an onlooker instead of being engaged. You're fired. Jesus then, as He talks about hell there in verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He begins then a section of prophecy talking about what will happen whenever He comes to set up His rule and reign. In verse 31, read with me. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You see what they, re what they realized? The king was saying this, You weren't just an onlooker. You were involved. You weren't just sitting on the bench during the game. You were out there. You were making the blocks. You were doing, making the tackles. You were catching the passes. You were doing what you were supposed to be doing. Not just onlooking, but you were engaged. You were inside of the work of the kingdom of Almighty God. You were pursuing the, the prosperity of the kingdom. Furthering the kingdom. He says, you were doing those things. And then righteous says, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, 
you were engaged. Now that's my interpretation, but listen to what he said. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You were involved. You were concerned. You were about the business of the kingdom. You were obedient to the Master, completing your duty. You were there. And then He will also say to those on the left, Depart from Me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Listen, I call this last bunch the outcasts. Because you see, at that point, they have no choice. The die has been cast. The king has ruled. The judge of the universe, the gavel has come down. And he has set them on the left-hand side and says, You are cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. He said, you were an onlooker. You were uninvolved. You didn't want to get in the game. You wanted to sit by the cooler. You wanted the benefits of being on the team, but you did not want to be a part of it. And then he says, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. There's going to be that great separation there at the throne. There's going to be a reward for faithfulness. And there is going to be a penalty for wicked, lazy servants. Jesus was pointing out to us in this whole chapter the opposite of eternal life and what it looks like here and now. You see, if you are an outsider, if you're an onlooker, what you can expect is to be an outcast. Don't expect the Lord Jesus to cheer you on while you're sitting on the bench. Don't expect the Lord Jesus to cheer you on or let you into His kingdom when you've chosen to be unprepared for it. And you know what you need to do. You've been told that time and time again. But let me reinforce it just one time. Submit yourself to Jesus. Give Him Everything about you. Holding nothing back, surrender to Him. Or, you'll find yourself on the outside because all your life you've been an onlooker. And then on that day, you'll be cast out. Seek Jesus 
while he may be found. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we do bow before you and recognize you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our Master, the Son of God. God. You gave your life for us so that we could have everlasting life. Here we are this morning waiting for you to move in us, to speak to us. Father, it's my prayer this morning that there are any, if there are any here who are outsiders, that they will prepare for your coming today by accepting you as Lord and Savior. And if there are any, any here that are bench warmers, onlookers, Father, I pray that they will stand up and say, here I am, coach, put me in. God, we need you. This invitation time is yours. Would you please accomplish your purpose in it as you desire? In Jesus' name, amen.